Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Yeah, so when I walked into church this morning, I saw like a lot of people wearing like Springbok shirts and so forth. I was wondering like, what's happening today, you know? Like, is there a game happening? Are we like in a special tournament or something? No, I'm joking. I know what's happening. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just like extend my sermon today, you know, just like, uh, just keep everyone busy. Um, yeah, so this is one of my, this is the, one of the sermons that I, I traveled with first, so I tested it out in all the other congregations and now I'm bringing it here, yeah? <laughs> no, so this is actually quite a, a sermon that God really placed on my heart, um, yeah, for, for, a whole region. So I had the privilege of preaching it in, in Bloemfontein and then in Heidelberg. Um, I took it to the schools a little bit. And uh, yeah, this morning I really have the pleasure of bringing it here. I'm actually quite excited about it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm going to start with prayer and then we can jump into the scriptures. Yeah, Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful what you did during worship, Father God. It's beautiful to experience the Holy Spirit really stirring our hearts. And Lord, I pray that this morning, Father, I would really just honor you with every word that comes from my mouth, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everything will be about you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege I have of standing up here, Lord God. The privilege I have of sharing your word, Father. Oh, Lord, it's, 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 it just overwhelms me so much, Lord, but... Oh, Lord, I pray that you would be blessed today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to talk to us a little bit about a story. Um, uh, it, originally, I thought it was Old Testament, but uh, I learned that it's New Testament. So I want to talk to us a bit about uh, Zacchaeus. Greek pronunciation, yes? Okay, Zacchaeus, right? Um, and... It's a, it's a well-known story, like we all did it in, in kids' church. Uh, if we didn't do it in kids' church, like we've heard of somewhere, right? This, the, the little small man that uh, ran into, like climbed a tree, saw Jesus, and then had an encounter with Jesus. But I've never really just taken the time and thought, let's just go read the story and just see what, 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 what's it actually about. Like, is there something bigger here? Or is it just a little man climbing into a tree and then um, seeing Jesus? Because that's what we get taught. We get taught the simplified version, right? So I'm going to read for us quickly out of Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. Um, and it says the following. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And when I read this, like, the first time, I was like, this is a little bit more than just a little man running to a tree, right? By the way, I did some, I did some research in the week. Does anyone here know how short Zacchaeus actually was? Huh? No, we're not going according to the song, no? <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, so Zacchaeus... Just for interesting sake, he was about, according to, uh, like, I googled quickly what, how, how tall was he according to church history, and it says he was about uh, 4 foot 10, which is about 1.25 meters. Okay, so my wife, just to give you context, my wife is 1.5. Okay, so he's like half, of, like almost like two thirds of my wife. Okay. So that, that's scary, that's scary, scary small, right? My wife is blushing now, sorry. Okay, but we have to get that understanding, right? Zacchaeus wasn't, like, everyone has this idea of, it was, it was just like this uh, random little man. He was actually super, super short, like, I would like, there, I think, you know? All right? But what we have to understand here is, it says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Okay? What does that mean? All right? So we know what a tax collector was in those times. It was a person who took money from all the people and then they had to like, uh, give the money back to Rome because everyone had to pay Rome for protection and just because they were under Rome's control. Right? So the chief tax collector... He was like that, the manager at SARS, you know? Like, he's the manager, and then you've got your people under you that do, your, that do work for you, and you just, like, sort out the difficult situations. That makes sense. Okay? So, Zacchaeus was responsible for much suffering in Israel, and the people hated him exponentially. Because while they were getting poorer, he was getting richer. While they were getting... Uh, while they couldn't afford to put food on the table for their families, like he was having a, a, a spit every night with his 30 friends, you know? So they really didn't like him, okay? But then what we have to see is, is that because he was chief tax collector, the status he had, not, not among the Israelites, but among the Romans, was high, Right? If he was in 2023, he would have been like an Instagram influencer or TikToker or something like that, right? He would have been that person. He would have been that person who comes in on business magazines and shows his face and be like, I've got the money, I've got the power, I've got the authority, you will not mess with me. Right? Proper gangster, yes. I don't know who said it, but yes. Okay? But despite of all of that, we read that he says he wanted to see Jesus, who Jesus was. But because he was too short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree 
to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So understand this. Okay? A man of his status in Israel, in his life, he would never run. The only reason he would run is because something is burning, okay? Or his money is on fire. He will run towards it. Okay? That's the only reason. But in this case, we see that he wanted to see who Jesus was, so he ran. Firstly, threw his whole status out the window, threw all the way people could see him, and everyone like wanted like uh, their perception of him. He just threw that all out of the window, and he ran and he climbed the sycamore fig tree. Can you just put that tree pick up for me? Okay, so that's more or less how the tree looked. Okay. For a guy who's like very short, that's going to be very difficult to climb. Okay? Look at that tree. I don't want to climb that tree. All right? The, the difficulties that Zacchaeus has to, had to overcome was big. Okay? So you can see that the tree was, was massive. And then secondly, you can see it's quite a... Um, it's a, a lush tree, so like the branches are a little bit hidden and so forth, right? I'm telling you this now. It's going to come in the next part of the story, okay? So Zacchaeus had to humble himself in order to pursue Jesus, in a sense, right? And then when we go on, right, we see that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay in your house today. Okay? Now, if Jesus came and he was walking to this tree, there's no way he would have seen this little man in the tree from afar. Okay? The tree, it's just too, it's too thick. You, can't, you won't be able to see anyone in there. Right? But then Jesus, while he was walking... And reached the spot, I don't know what spot, maybe there was like an X on the ground, right? When he reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Why is this significant? Because we can see in this, we can see that this was almost like pre-planned by Jesus. Like he knew what was going to happen today. He knew that he was going to meet with a chief tax collector. So when he came to the spot, he stopped and he looked up. And he said, Zacchaeus, and guys, I want you to understand this. He didn't say, hey, random person. Okay. He didn't like nudge the person next to him. Hey, um, Mika, who's this guy? Yeah. Right? He didn't do that. He stopped and he knew the name of Zacchaeus. He called him by name. Right? And then he says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Do you understand the urgency that Jesus is putting into this? He says, come down immediately. He doesn't say, uh, Zacchaeus, uh, I'm going to come back in five days. Uh, have the spit ready for me. Okay? Ice cold water would be amazing. And something to wash my feet. Uh, oh, and the, the spring box are playing tonight. So not tonight. I'll come back. Don't worry. Okay. 
Okay? He didn't say that. He said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house at once. Guys, there's an urgency when Jesus wants to meet with us. He wants to meet with us. But we are the person that's in the tree that says, um, Lord, uh, after, after the, the World Cup, I'll carve out on half an hour and we can meet. That's our mentality. That's our mentality. When Jesus stands there and he knocks on our hearts and he says, I want to meet with you. I must stay at your house. We have to respond immediately. We cannot wait to respond on our timeline. Because guess what? The enemy is just going to use that and our timeline is just going to get busier and busier and busier and busier until we don't meet with Jesus. Alright? And look at, look at Zacchaeus' response. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Okay? I think it took him about like 20 minutes to get out of the tree. Okay? Let's just put that disclaimer there. Okay? It took him a little time. Right? Or he just jumped and like Jesus like, okay, I'll catch. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. Right? But... He came down and he said, he came down and he welcomed him gladly. His attitude wasn't, okay, Lord, let's just get it over and done with. I know I'm a sinner. Just deal with me. Um, Let's just see what happens. Okay. He came down gladly. I think Zacchaeus was overjoyed. He was like uh, hippling around there, like, like just enjoying, enjoying this time because someone called him. And matter of the fact is, when I see Jesus calling us as Christians today, I don't see that joy always. Because what do we do? Take out our diaries. Uh, church, let me just put it in my diary, tick box. Church done. We don't always welcome Him gladly. And the one thing I really felt in my, in my heart this week while I was praying through this, I just felt because we think we are unworthy of meeting with Jesus, we don't welcome him gladly. Here's the reality. Zacchaeus was the most unworthy person for Jesus to give attention to in that time. He was, he was oppressing Jesus' people. Was oppressing them. And yet, when Jesus stopped, he said, I want to talk to you. So we cannot be unworthy if Jesus calls us. There's a place where we have to come to where we have to come to the reality and say, Lord, I know I'm messing up. Lord, I know I'm still struggling with pornography. I know that I'm not faithful to my wife. I know that I'm not doing my best at work. But yet, I want to meet with you because you're the only one that can fix it. You're the only one. And yet, when we come into quiet time, the enemy comes and just hits us with shame. Hits us with guilt. Hits us with condemnation. And we can see that 
If any of that should have hit anyone, it should have been Zacchaeus. But look at his attitude. Look how he's reacting towards Jesus. Right? And we can see that when he says he welcomed him gladly, he was overjoyed to have Jesus in his house. And then he goes further and he says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Of course they began to mutter because look at the sinner getting attention from Jesus. The guy that's causing us suffering constantly, that's causing us so much pain, constantly. And Jesus is calling him. And he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Okay, here comes the boulders. Zacchaeus comes out now, right? He says, Look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Okay? So Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, sorry. <laughs> okay, so we can see how, how he's absolutely just responding to Jesus, right? Just have some water. So we see how he's responding to Jesus, right? And here I want to bring in why is it important? Why did Luke add here that I will pay back four times the amount? Okay. If we go to Exodus, if you can give me a scripture quickly, Tubes. Okay, Exodus 22, verse 1 to 4. It says, Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay, must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the for the sheep. If a thief caught breaking in at night and, and he stuck a fatal blow, the offender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. Anyone who steals must certainly take restitution. But if they have nothing, they must be sold to pay for their theft. If the stolen animal is found alive in their possession, whether ox or donkey or sheep, they must pay back double. And then if we go to Leviticus, Leviticus 6 verse 4 to 6, it says, When they sin in any of these ways and realize their guilt, they must return what they have stolen or taken by extortion and what they have entrusted to themselves or lost property they found. Whatever it is they swore falsely about, they must make restitution in full and a fifth of the value to it. Sorry. And give it all to the owner on the day they present their guilty offering. And as a penalty, they must bring to the priest, that is to the Lord, their guilt offering, a ram from the flock, one of our defect and of proper value. Okay? Why am I bringing this in? Okay? Because while Zacchaeus was oppressing the people, he knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew what he was doing was wrong. Okay? And we're sitting here today and we're doing things and we know what we're doing is wrong. And uh, we're just continuing. We're just continuing, right? So here we can see when Zacchaeus 
says, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, he is acting, to, acting according to the scriptures. He's making restitution. Right? He is giving back because he knows the actions that he has done is completely out of line with the word. Do you see the transformation that is happening when Jesus stood there and stepped into his life? There wasn't hesitation from his side to say, um, Lord, like, uh, I, I can't deal with this now. Um, let me just like, see what I can do and then we'll fit you in and then we'll deal with it. No, there's like, immediate transformation. Right? But then, of course, the earthly part of uh, Zacchaeus still comes in and he says, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, okay, Lord, I don't know if I cheated them. Just wait, okay? I may have cheated them. Um, I didn't take the money personally, so actually it doesn't come back to me. It was his fault. Okay? Do you see uh, like, uh, what he's doing here? He's like, he's just covering himself a little bit. Like, I'm not going to take full responsibility yet. Right? If I've cheated anyone, uh, I can neither confirm or deny that. Um, I don't think it was my fault completely. Uh, it was the Romans. The Romans are the problem. Okay? So he tries to save himself, and he says, and then the Lord convicts him again. He says, I will pay back four times the amount. Like we just saw. In Exodus. That the law was clear. That if something, if you steal from someone, you have to give back four times what you have stolen. And in this, we can see how Zacchaeus immediately starts turning. How his heart immediately starts turning towards the Lord. But it started, it started by him Humbling himself, throwing his status, throwing insecurities, throwing everything aside in order to run, climb a, a, a fig tree, and really a search for Jesus. Search for him. I didn't think he knew that while he was pursuing Jesus, Jesus was pursuing him as well. And the reality for us is we have to understand that we cannot work our way into Jesus' heart. We cannot uh, tithe our way into Jesus' heart. We cannot do enough good deeds to get Jesus to say, okay, now you're saved. It comes from a place of us longing after Jesus and surrendering towards him. Because the response we see from him when he says, but when Zacchaeus stood up and, and said to the Lord, look, Lord, there's a humbleness that he throws in there. Right? And I didn't put the scripture up there, but I quickly just want to read for you quickly from Luke 18. It's a parable, a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee stands in the temple and says, Lord, thank you that I'm not a tax collector. Right? Thank you that I'm not as bad as that guy. Right? And then the tax collector, he stands a little bit further away. And I just want to say, just repeat his words here. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. 
he would not even look up at the heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's easier for us to humble ourselves. We do not want Jesus to humble us, believe me. What attitude are we approaching Jesus with? And if Jesus is standing at the door knocking and saying, I must come into your heart today, are we being obedient and saying, Lord, I welcome you with gladness? Or we'll be saying, Lord, uh, there's 10 minutes of the service left. Um, can we retake this next week Sunday? Because that's the questions we have to ask ourselves. Right? And then he goes further and it says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. Do you see the restoration that's taking place here? The Israelites branded Zacchaeus as a sinner, as an outlaw, as a bully. They, they actually just went as far as to say, you're not Jewish anymore, just like you're Gentile now. And Jesus comes in and he says, you too are a son of Abraham. This is important because most of us are sitting here today and we're like, I am a failure. I am unworthy. I am this. I am that. I am this. And we're branding ourselves and we're taking other people's opinions as our identity, as ourselves. We are saying, I'm just going to believe what other people say about me. Where Jesus comes in and he says, just wait. I want to store your identity right now, right here. For you too are a son of Abraham. Are we sitting here this morning and we need our identity restored? Are we sitting here this morning and we need Jesus to come and say, you too are my child. Because the great news for us here is that when Jesus says that you too are a son of Abraham, it was because he's Jewish, right? He's just like bringing him back to that statement. But the amazing news for us is, is that as we are sitting here, we too are sons and daughters of Abraham. Why do I say that? Let's just go to Galatians 3 quickly. Okay, Galatians 3, verse 13 to 14, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. 
This is the promise God is making to us, that by Him dying on that cross for us, we too can be called sons of Abraham. We too can take the identity of Christ upon us. Not because we are Jewish, but because Jesus died on a cross. And yet, we see this promise that God is giving us. And yet, we're sitting here and saying, Lord, this is not for me. Lord, I cannot take this upon me because I'm not good enough. Lord, did you see what I did in the week? I cannot take this upon me because I am just whatever you want to call yourselves. This morning, God wants to come and He wants to break that lie. He wants to break that lie. And I want to say, Peter, come down. I want to talk to you. I want to meet with you. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? Okay. We have to accept that through our sinfulness, through all of the stuff that, that we <laughs> place upon ourselves, that we take upon ourselves, through all of that stuff, Jesus sees a child of God. He sees a child of God above everything else. But we have to make a choice here. Are we going to be like Zacchaeus? Are we going to become vulnerable before the Lord? And I think the difficult part is, is that he did it in front of the crowd. If he did it on his own and there was no one else around him, it wouldn't have been like such a big thing. No one would have known. But there was a crowd of thousands wanting to see Jesus and he had to distinguish himself from that crowd. He had to take all his insecurities, all his stuff that, he, that, he want, that the enemy wants to withhold us from meeting with Jesus and he had to say, my passion to see Jesus is bigger than all of this. It's bigger. So if that means I have to overcome difficulties by climbing a tree, by sitting on that branch for an hour and a half, then I will do that because I need to meet with Jesus. Do we have that urgency today? Do we have that urgency to say, Lord, despite everything else, I will serve you first? Because that's the question we need to ask ourselves. God is clear here. He's urgent. Wanting to meet with us. Wanting to come. And, and just like embrace us. God is a personal God. He doesn't call Zacchaeus it or that or the random person. He calls him by name. Just as today, Jesus knows all of our names. And he's calling us to the cross. So that we can humble ourselves and say, Lord, despite everything, I need you. I need you. And it goes on and says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And I don't know about you, but I definitely need saving. Every day of my life, I need God. 
the reality is the choice comes down to us. Jesus is there. Jesus reaching out. Are we going to respond like Zacchaeus did? Are we going to say, Lord, I welcome you to my house gladly today? Or are we going to say, let's see next time. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.